It's radio theater for your soul. It's radio theater for your soul. With storytellers gather around the mic. Come on, let's go. Live readings, traditional, contemporary, original, scripted plays, film, and poetry. The storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host, Miss Shanice C.L. Coleman, a.k.a. Courageous Love, always just a cut above. Yeah. For your soul audience, thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to my 2021 summer series radio show. Yes, my name is Shani C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love, and I am your host who will be gathering with the storytellers around the mic weekly. Storytelling is a gift. It is meant to be shared, and our mission is to continue to provide a global stage for storytellers of all genres of storytelling. This is the time where storytellers get to share their gift. And you, the listening audience, you are invited to join the gathering weekly. Tune in, tell a friend, share, send us a message, and let us know if you would like to join us live after the special storytelling presentation. We will be gathering online to make that happen during this summer series. But before we get started today, I thank God, my family, friends, and ancestors for their ongoing support. For those of you listening for the first time ever, Radio Theater for Your Soul has been the gathering place around the mic for storytellers since the beginning of 2016. 2016, everybody. We or I (laughs) took a hiatus in 2018, which led me to fully understand and embrace the benefits and healing properties of storytelling, which prior to creating this show, I may have taken for granted. Oh, but the storytellers, the listeners, you would not let me forget how important hearing someone's story really made the difference in your day, in your week, in your life. So in 2019, I began to pull together thoughtful archival footage, photos, testimonials, and narration from our previous broadcasts to reveal the making of this internet radio show in the form of a film, a documentary, something more visual. It celebrates the fascinating minds and hearts of over 100 storytellers who were featured right here on Radio Theater for Your Soul, but during the first four seasons. The documentary is titled Radio Theater for Your Soul, a docu-story. And I am so excited to tell you that it has been making the rounds in the film festival circuit. Also, please check out all of our past shows anytime by visiting radiogathering.wixsite.com slash radiogathering. We're also in the archives on acceleratedradio.net. A big shout out to the Accelerated Radio family and their entire team for hosting our first four seasons and love you all. And if you're on social media, please follow us at Radio Gathering. That's one word, Radio Gathering, at Radio Gathering, R-A-D-I-O-G-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-G, Radio Gathering, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram for the most recent updates. Finally, I am grateful to have this global stage as a gathering place to share my love of storytelling. Oh my God, your support has been so appreciated. I am so grateful. This is Radio Theater for Your Soul. I am Courageous Love, and you are listening to our 2021 Summer Series. This show is brought to you by Kombucha EXL. Far better than a soft drink, it's a delicious path to healthy. Even from the subways of New York City, you're listening 
to Radio Theater for Your Soul. So, does anyone want to know what Radio Theater for Your Soul is really all about? Yeah, yeah. tell us what is Radio Theater You want to know what it's about? Oh, yes. Yeah. Tell me. All right, all right. Well, I'll tell you in a nutshell. It is all about storytelling and storytellers featuring unique voices, the written and or unwritten words during this one-hour broadcast. This 2021 eight-week summer series will be a combination of live and pre-recorded special presentations. Internet radio is our global stage, our gathering place around the mic that virtually replaces the baobab tree where all kinds of stories have been and continue to be shared. Now, if you tuned in to any of our previous shows, you heard featured storytellers from all walks of life. And we continue on that road. Today, it is my honor and privilege to welcome to the Storyteller Gathering an Emmy-nominated actress, singer with an extraordinary four-octave voice, an accomplished author, native of Annapolis, Maryland, and currently residing in San Francisco, California, Ms. Paris Lane. Paris Lane graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree from Mills College in Oakland, California, majoring in Intermedia and Literary Works for Early Childhood Education, and received a Master of Fine Arts degree in Interdisciplinary Arts from Goddard College in Port Townsend, Washington. As a performer, she has graced audiences from Carnegie Hall to London to Paris to Geneva to Rome and Bangkok. She has recorded with many greats, including the group Mars on Capitol Liberty Records and received rave reviews as a soloist on the song entitled, You've Got Me Crying Again. Also, having performed for many dignitaries and celebrities, she has received numerous awards and accolades because of her work, including the Governor's Proclamation for Producing and Directing Shows. Paris Lane created the acclaimed faith-based animated musical for children entitled Glory Toys. As an author, she has published two children's books, Molly the Hippo and So Many Bugs, and also a book of poetry titled My Little Book of Prayers. Paris has also produced six musical CDs. Abella is her first audio music book and novel, accompanied by choral music and musical soundtrack. Gathering hold of the mic to share her voice, a bit of her Abella story is featured storyteller, Ms. Paris Lane. Every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Upon the mountain, my Lord unspoke, out of his mouth came fire and smoke. Jordan River, chilly and cold, chill the body. But not the soul Every time I feel the spirit Moving in my heart I will pray Every time I feel the spirit Moving in my heart I will pray Dem Jordan River, Jordan River, deep and wide, deep and wide. Lord, 
Come take me, come take me by your side. By your side. Those golden gates waiting for me. Waiting for me. That's when I know. That's when I know that I'll be free. Born a slave on a plantation owned by Thomas William Butler in a small waterfront town called Annapolis, Maryland. I was raised by my grandma and papa named Lula May and Jonas Green Butler. And all they ever told me was that I came from the heavens during the thunderstorm and I landed plumb right here on the Butler's plantation. My grandma she says when I was just about three years old or so, they gave my mammy away for a wedding present to Master Butler's sister. My mammy, she done had ten children, and they sold all of them all away before she had me. I ain't remember her, but there's times I think much about her, and Wondering if she missing me some. I sure enough ain't remember my pappy. He was taken to plantation from plantation to make babies everywhere. When you're a slave, you got lots of relatives and a piece of you been spread around just about to everywhere. From Africa to these America. We's got the same blood running through our veins. And through the veins is the blood. And that's just about the only way you's gonna be free to be going someplace else. There's times when you're feeling that somebody out there searching for you. And you're wondering where they is. And you starts to search for them too. But then there ain't nobody to be found. Ain't nothing real. Not even your name, cause when you sewed away, even that gets changed. And there you is, left in the God-forsaken place with a bunch of folks that hate you. If you saw it a lot me and you're born with a gift that the white folks want, it can be a mixed blessing. You can feel blessed and curse or worse all at the same time. The story of Abella, it just ain't my story. It's all the African slave stories and the burdens of what the white folks have made out to be our greatest sin. And that's being born wearing the black skin. It ain't right. And this life, it just ain't easy. But it's the life the good Lord done gave me. So, I's here to give you and the world a piece of me. The piece of being a slave. My story, my truth, on the butler's plantation. Chapter 3, Grandma. I was fed up with being a slave. So I asked my grandma, 
Grandma, why's you pray to the white man's God? He ain't like us niggas. She ain't saying a word. She just looking at me. Grandma, where is this God that let us be slaves? And what we done did wrong for him to not love us too. Like he loved all the white folks. I done had so many questions that I want answers to, but they only made my grandma get mad at me. She ain't like no one talking bad about the Lord. She hollered at me for the first time that day. It was as if I had just killed the piece of hope that she ever had. Then she looks over at me and she's saying, Child, shut your mouth. You ain't know nothing. You come here ain't know nothing. And if you ain't stop your bad mouthing about the good Lord, you's gonna leave this earth being a nothing. Then she done sat in her chair, shaking her head at me, and she saying, I tells you that because you ain't seen nothing. You's here in Annapolis. They done treat us niggas folks pretty good up here. Now, that was something hard for me to believe. I just keep thinking to myself, they ain't treating us good. Look at what just happened to Uncle Joe and Rebecca. I ain't knowing why my grandma would say something like that. I guess it was her ways of protecting the Lord. Then she's saying, I tell you why I ain't hating no more and why I feel sorry for them. I looked up at her and said, feeling sorry for what, folks? Yes, she said. I was feeling sorry for the white folks. But one time I hated them too. The first thing I ever learned to do on my own was to hate. I hated my life. I hated being a slave. I hated being black. But ain't nothing I can do about wearing this black skin. Nothing I could do about it. Then she took a deep breath and starts looking down at the floor. And she's saying with tears running down her face, I was born black, blacker than the earth, in a place that hated the color of my skin more than me. Now, ain't that some kind of funny? White folks always getting to do everything more than black folks. They even got to hate us more than we hated ourselves. I starts to thinking, how grandma, it was the longest time she ever sat talking to me. Then she's saying, white-skinned children got to eating and laughing and playing all day, and the darkies children had to work. That's how it goes. As the work from the time before the blue wake up in the sky until after the blue sky went to sleep. All I ever did was picking and pulling on cotton. Cotton? I ain't never heard of cotton. Uh, we, we ain't knowing nothing about no cotton in Annapolis. So I asked Grandma, where's you pick cotton from? Ain't no cotton here. 
she lifted up her head and she said, Child, I was in Georgia. That cotton is a funny kind of flower. It looking all so beautiful, and I guess because it's white. It was so soft and white, just like my mistress Sally, and just like her, it was dicey. Because it causing you a lot of pain and sorrow. And I thank the Lord wherever he was every day for having little hands or little fingers because it made it easy picking that cotton. She took another breath like she was thinking about all her memories long ago. So I ain't saying nothing. I, I just waiting in quietness. And she starts to talking again. Child, all I did see was white all day long. White clouds, white cotton, and white balls, and white men with the whip. I was just a bitty old thing. About six or seven when I got my first whip. Grandma, I said, why's, why's you getting the whip at seven years old? The overseer, he done whipped me for not picking enough cotton, she said. There he was whipping me so bad that the other niggas they start to do more to give me some extra cotton. I hear them saying to each one, gotta give that child some of your cotton. And they just pitches in so I ain't get the weapon. I just hush. And I listen. And I saw the tears come down from her eyes for the first time. And it making me feel something bad inside. I done asked too many questions. And it hurts in me. My grandma's sad and all. Life was already hard, but she had something on her mind and she wanted me to hear it and I can remember that day, just as clear as the moles on her face. She's saying, child, I believe in that. Ain't nothing was mean on this God green earth than a white man. Because he could take anything from a poor old nigga, whatever he done had. And even when you ain't had something except breathing, he gonna take that from you too. I know she's telling the truth, cause old horse did the same thing to poor old Uncle Joe. Then she's saying, my mammy took care of me just like I was taking care of you. And she come told me that her pappy was an African king named Zinga. My mammy, she done had 17 children for the white folks, and, and they sold all of them but me. That's because I was right sickly when I was born. All of my sisters and my brother, they all done gone away. So my mammy, she begged to keep me. And they let her cause they thought I was gonna die anyways. She always said, hell was here on earth, the Davis plantation. She had nightmares every single night right there on that Davis plantation about hearing her babies crying for her. Seen them snatch from her arms 
And so and then she had to go back to the big house and nurse all of them white babies. She had to sit feed and love white folks' children while her own babies were sold away. And knowing that she ain't never gonna see her children again. So I figures I was born to hell with my mammy. But I learned something special from my mammy because each time Mitchus had a baby, my mammy had to deliver him. I done seen a whole lots of baby being born. And me, a little gal, I go and fetch the big pots of water to help my mammy whenever a baby was being born around the town. I looked at her and I said, Grandma, you done seen that many babies? She turned and looked at me and said, That Master Davis, he comes and he gets my mammy all day and all night. Master Davis, he gets a lot of money for my mammy's work. One day, Master Butler's pappy got word to Master Davis that his mistress was having a baby, and he needed my mammy. They done said that the white doctor was there for both child and mistress, and both was going to die. When we get there, Master Butler's daddy looked at my mammy and said, Can you help her? My mammy, she looked at him and said, I can bring her around. And the white doctors, they turned as red as a beet. They got mad, and they pointed at my mammy and said, You niggas, don't be doing no voodoo stuff up in here. But Master Butler's daddy, he done told my mammy to go right ahead. He ain't cared, because he just wanted his wife to live. They done already see that mistress and the baby was dying, so he done figure he might as well use my mammy. And he done figure right. My mammy and me, we stay up all night long. And child, I ran up and down those stairs with boiling water. Took a long time, but that baby boy finally came out. Yes, Lord. And when Master Butler was born, he was just a little bitty thing, no bigger than his pappy's hand. My mammy told him to keep him near the fire so he's always keeping warm. She had to go back and forth every day to take care of Master Butler because he was a real sickly baby. And she even nursed them, too. You know, white folks ain't never take care of their children. Then Master Butler's pappy, he's so happy, and he wants to buy my mammy for saving the life of his mistress and his baby boy. But Master Davis says she too valuable. So Master Davis, he done sold me instead. And I raised Master Butler from a little bitty boy. And his daddy done made him promise that I ain't never had to work in the fields. And child, that's why all I do is sew. But Grandma, I asked him, how'd you get from Georgia to Annapolis? Well, child, when Master Butler got married and he moving to Maryland, he and the mattress, they bringing me here too. And even though I ain't ever seen my mammy again, I stopped hating. 
So for me, child, he is a good Lord in heaven. And even if he is the white man's Lord, he done helped this poor old nigga not to ever have to work in them fields. It was right then I realized why old horse can't do nothing to grandma. All I could do was hug her as tight as I could. And I had to let her feel how much I loved her. And then my grandma, she looked down at me and she said, Child, not all white folks, not all white folks the same. Some are good, some are bad. And that's why I prayed to the Lord. I'm so thankful for him showing me favor. And now he's showing me favor for you. He done gave you a gift of singing song that ain't nobody ever heard before. No white, no nigger. And when you sing, child, you open your mouth and the birds stop a chirping and listen. That's your gift. And when the good Lord gives you a gift, he can do things for you. I was thinking to myself, what can singing do? But before I could get another word in, she said, you knows why old horse make you sing when he whipping folks? I just sat there shaking my head because I ain't know what was wrong with old horse. And she sang. It's because your singing voice makes him forget what he's doing, child. As long as you singing, he ain't got to look at himself and what he's doing to other folks. I sing to Grandma, I ain't wanna sing to make old horse feel good about himself while he's whipping folks. That ain't no gift, Grandma. That's a curse. She looked at me and she points a finger and she said, child, you your tongue now. They gonna always whip niggas anyhow. And when you sing, even the niggas forget about their pain. Mark my words, child. That gift is gonna save your life one day. The Lord ain't give you that gift for nothing. So come on, child. Sing a song. Sing a song for Grandma with that gift. I start so smiling, cause my grandma, she always knew how to make me feel better. And I start to singing, I wanna be ready, I wanna be ready, I wanna be ready, Lord, ready to put on the long white. Even while I was singing, I keep a hoping deep down if heaven was really gonna be a better place. Everybody talking about the day to get to be in heaven, and I guess cause all of the niggas would be free and at peace from all of this pain. So I just stop a thinking and I just start to sing it. Then Grandma, she done did something I ain't never seen her do. She stomped her foot down on the floor and she starts to sing it with me. I'll tell you the reasons why. From that day on, I try not to hate white folks so much. 
If Grandma had a heart that could forgive white folks after all she'd been through, then I could too. But I had to face my God honest truth, which was a little different from Grandma. Because it's hard being young and seeing so many folks getting whipped almost every day by old horse. Maybe Grandma is right. Not all white folks the same. But right now, I was wondering where they at. Because I surely ain't seen them.
Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. We believe that a natural and organic beverage for health-conscious people who want to restore and maintain the body's essential balance is available with our tasty and refreshing Kombucha EXL. Kombucha EXL is a wholesome drink that has been brewing since 2005, boasting 100% natural ingredients that will support your overall health. Kombucha EXL is only 10 calories per serving, far better than a soft drink. It's a delicious path to healthy. Order yours today at kombuchaexl.com. That's K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A-E-X-L.com. You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic. Welcome back to Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic. I'm your host, Shani C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love, and you just heard featured storyteller, Emmy-nominated actress, singer, author extraordinaire, Ms. Paris Lane. Thank you again for being here, Paris. Please tell our listeners how or where they can hear you, see you, or contact you, get your music, audiobooks, etc. Um, the I have I have two websites. Um, one is uh Parislane.com. And um through there you can go through the uh I have an area where you can purchase things and, and it takes you to a store. And the store is Parold P A R O L D dot store. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And what about any social media, any Instagram, Twitter? Um, under Instagram with, with Parold Entertainment because that's really our company name, Parold Entertainment. So P A spell it again for us. P A R O L D because my partner name is Harold, and so <laughs> ah, Harold, you, Harold. you intertwine, yay! Oh, <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. All right, listeners, we are live with feature storyteller Paris Lane, who just shared a little more than an excerpt from her first audio music book, Abella, a historical fiction story about an enslaved girl with a unique singing voice. And instead of me talking about it, Paris, is there anything else you would like to share about the story or anything else that you didn't get a chance to during your presentation? Well, Abella has a lot of, I, I would say a lot of people inspired me for putting Abella together. It, it, a lot of people that I had talked with beforehand um, because it was a long process. <laughs> I mm-hmm. originally started out as wanting to do just uh, a Negro spiritual CD. And um, I had a lunch date with Quincy Jones and um, we were talking about Roots because, you know, he did the music to Roots. And mm-hmm. I from Annapolis, Maryland, where um, Kunta Kente came in on a uh, slave ship. And I had also performed for Alex Haley when, you know, the city had um, given him a tribute, a key to the city. Um, And so I started talking about, you know, the spirituals and my research I was doing at the Library of Congress and how, um, you know, I wanted to write a story and so forth and so on. And he... um, He said to me, he said, if you can see it, you can be it. And he, with him saying that, it planted a seed in my heart. Um, He kept telling me that, oh, you're going to be just fine. You're going to do all right. You're going to do all right. And I was like, okay, he is seeing something in me that I don't even see and you know um and I felt that it was one of the greatest experience in my my life because I got to hear personal stories of um him working with Sarah Vaughn and uh Frank Sinatra and Chaka Khan and just you know Michael Jackson 
um, Ella Fitzgerald. It just went on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And I sat there like a sponge absorbing all of it. Um, he had a connection to me, um, actually through, I, I would say, uh, his, his brother Lloyd and his, uh, his sister-in-law, Gloria, that there was this little spiritual connection I'll, I'll say one day out loud what it's about, but yeah. And so it, it lasted for about two and a half hours, but that, and then I drove back to Vegas and I met, uh, Muhammad Ali in the same day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he kissed me on the cheek, and I didn't want to wash my face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wait, I didn't didn't wash this little spot. I was like, okay, get yourself together. But um, the seeds uh, that was, you know, you know, was someone plant, you know, that's done everything. I mean. I mean, we even talked about the color purple and Oprah's role in that. And, and when someone like that plants a seed in you, you know, you got to sort of like, okay, I got to measure up to this. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Not an everyday occurrence. You know, they meet people from all walks of life and it's just not an everyday occurrence. So you kind of like take heed. And so... You know, I went back and I was like, how am I going to get this started? Because all of the research I had done was basically, you know, with music. And then it became a thing that, you know, um, my ex-husband had gotten really ill. And so I had to put, you know, my career on hold. Um, It didn't really start until I moved to San Francisco. I found myself, you know being a caregiver because when he was sick, his brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, his brother came to the house and he was sick as well. So I was taking care of two people, one with uh, renal failure and the other had cancer of the esophagus. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, my brother-in-law passed, but when I uh, got my ex out here to San Francisco, he, uh, the kidney took longer than what we had expected. And so that took you a little off of your, your, it it took me off of my path, but then at the same time, it put me on another path. Um, you know, cause I've, I've been taken <laughs> off of my path many times and, and, and that is a natural thing. If, if you have a gift, you will run into so many obstacles. It is no joke. Just, you know, and, and I remember Robert Towson saying, you just got to get through the mud. You're just going to mm-hmm. be going through a lot of mud. <laughs> and you yeah. got to get through the mud in order to get to the mountain to even start climbing the mountain. And so I was like in the mud for numerous years. Um, and, what got, and how did you get out of the mud to get to Abella? Well, the the moving, you know, you, when you don't move, God sort of, you know, the things that happen in your life that sort of make you move. And because I wanted to, you know, I I had been a caregiver before you know, for my mom and sister. And I was like, well, dealing with, you know, what we're dealing with in Las Vegas, I knew he would, would have died there. Matter of fact. <laughs> you moved to Vegas first, and then you yeah, moved to yeah. I I had moved to Vegas to perform in Vegas, and and I did that, and then I went to Thailand, and I came back, and then it was like, boom, everything hit me. Um, and so when I moved to San Francisco, I didn't know a soul. I couldn't perform because you know it's it's hard to like just start from scratch like two weeks after you know i got we got an apartment the um the mail came in and said to go to college and so i said well what the heck i'm not going to sit here and waste time and so i jumped into college and and then i literally say that i jumped into college and um i was you know a little afraid at first but I felt very calm once a young brother came in there with this big old afro and I just looked at him and I said, geez, 
I'm so glad to see you here. And you just don't know how much it means to me. And he looked at me like I was some crazy old lady, you know. And I said, no, you don't really understand. You don't really understand. The last time I was in school, everyone had afros. And so I feel as if I haven't missed the beat. And it really put me in that, the, the environment of, you know, because, you know, I started school at 53 and I graduated in 76. And so every, we were wearing afros. And right. just being around, just, you know, I, I didn't feel intimidated. I got, uh, I did a cross registration course at Mills College. Uh, they had, they had um, someone at uh, the City College of San Francisco, you know, trying to recruit other students. And I, I did a cross registration course of um, creative writing. And I did um, a short story on Abella and really, really short. And I noticed how, you know, because, you know, San Francisco is so diverse. And many people didn't understand, I mean, you know, about slavery and, and what happened and so forth. So it became a teachable moment. And I still put it on the shelf. And what happened to me was, you know, um, I had to get one more math credit. And which, you know, I hate it. Um, I'm just totally right brain. I got to be honest about that. You know, I had dropped a couple of classes, you know, because I felt that it would be a waste of time. I didn't feel a need to take certain, you know, I didn't feel a need for calculus. What in the heck am I going to do with calculus? Um, you know what I'm saying? It just was like, I don't have, I'm older. I don't have time to waste. And so... I went to the head of the math department and I'm like, look, this is a liberal arts school. You're teaching film, music, you know, creative writing, you know, you know, art, everything about the arts was there. And I said, but you don't have a class that's teaching the students the business uh, of the arts, you know, um, how to get a manager and how much a manager you know, if you need a manager, what percentage he's supposed to take on your booking agent or, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and I said, you're sending these kids out into the world. They're like sheep going out there to the wolves. And I'm going, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm very dramatic. And, and she just looked at me and she said, would you be interested in teaching a course? And I was like, no. <laughs> something else and she said what about an independent study and I asked her what it was about and she was like you know you could do anything but you know you have to check in with the head of the department of whatever you know your the subject matter that you're working on and I said what about if I write a story and she was you know you know a novel you know and she's like yeah you can do that and so um you know, she connected me with the head of the English department and Professor Powell. And, and I just, you know, every week I had, you know, I was writing like 20 to 30 pages a week. And uh, she just told me, just write, just write. Cause I'm like, oh, I got all these mistakes. And she's like, don't care about the mistakes. Just write, 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 write. And so it, it was really, um, a unique experience because she just, you know, I went at it and went at it and went at it. And then, you know, at the end, she was like, I need to hear more. I like to hear more about her life and blah, 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 and so forth. And so I'm like, oh my God. Um, and so, you know, after I graduated, I just put it on a shelf and I, I was actually substitute teaching. 
at, at a preschool and the head, the director was like, you know, I'm, you know, working on my master's degree in education and blah, blah, blah. You know, it just, you know, cause I work with children on television, you know, and, and I used to be a teaching artist, you know, I would go into, in Vegas, I actually was with the Smith Center for the Performing Arts. They had a wolf trap program, or early learning program. And I would go into the schools and teach the teachers how to incorporate arts into the curriculum so that the kids could learn more. And, mm-hmm. and I, I was like, she was, she was almost born. Yeah, and she, she wasn't there. She, she was on the show. I did. And I'm like, and now, you know, I'm thinking while I'm talking to you, like, oh my God, I just kept putting this on the show. You know, she was like, you know, I was like, I don't really want to be in school full time again because I like to sing still, you know, and still work on my singing and stuff. And so I was doing gigs here and there, but it wasn't anything big, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where it was constantly, you know, uh, coming as a solo, so it's for different events. Um, so, uh, still putting it off. And so I said, okay, let me try this program. It was guided college. And I said, okay, so I would, you know, it was low residency. You come in, you know, every three months, you know, you're spending two weeks there working on your curriculum and so forth. And I was like, okay, that's doable. And so when I has signed up, I started, you know, I was actually going into education. Um, not so, necessarily. So fast, so fast forward, just because we're winding down on time, just okay. fast forward to how did Abella finally come into fruition? Got, got a college. I, I enrolled in the college. And when I got there, something said, work on your book. And I asked the professor if I could work on my book. And she said, yeah. And so it became my entire master's thesis because I was getting an MFA in interdisciplinary studies. And so I had to do, you know, it it was everything from the artwork, from the research, doing, I had a cohort that heard my work from the last, the previous semester who said it should be an audio book because once again, I was just going to do the novel, just have some CDs, no big deal. And because of God of College, yeah, it, it became a full-pledged audio book. I love it. It's fascinating. You have a fascinating story. Yeah. It's just not just with Abella, but just the journey. The journey. Yeah, of, the journey. It was a long journey. A long journey. Yeah. Yeah, that you're still on, and and I'm a fan of your singing voice. <laughs> briefly on how you how you got started. You're welcome. Would you mind sharing some of 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 how you got started singing with the listeners? You shared some with me, but I would love for them to hear a little bit about when you were younger. Okay. Um. Well, I always I call it my Trinity because you know I was born during a thunderstorm, and my next door neighbor and my great aunt delivered me. And, you know, of course, my mom was there. And thunderstorms really play a role in my life. Um, and I say this because my next door neighbor was the minister of music at the African um, uh, United Methodist Church. And so that our houses were connect, joined together at the top and and the windows, you could, you know, see each other through the windows, through the alley. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But she would, you know, practice. Her piano was right there. And so the music would come through the walls across, directly across the street from us um, was the First Baptist Church. And you were opening windows, and, you know, hot summer days, you know, all the music coming into the house that way through the windows then right in the house during the thunderstorms um my great aunt and and my mother uh would make sure all the windows were closed you know the curtains shut and we would sit in the living room and even though we had a piano we weren't allowed to play it we had to sit there quietly because they were saying this is when god's doing his work 
and they would do a call and response of spirituals. And because I was the youngest and my, you know, one, one sister wanted it, I'm doing alto, I'm doing soprano, I'm doing tenor. It was that, that type of thing. And I was the youngest and I had to find my space. And so I, I created my own space and that's why I can improv with anything and make all different sorts of sounds with my, my voices. That's, and I feel that that was my, my training ground right there, to be honest with you. I love it. I love it. A natural gift and a family of singers, everybody. Yeah. I love it. Is there anybody that you'd like to say hello to who might hear this um, podcast later or anything you'd like to say to anyone before we close out? Not really. No, I just want to say I, I hope hope you check it out. Um, know that it's the coming of age of an enslaved girl and her journey and a lot of things um, are par- parallel to everything that's happening today. And sometimes we got to realize that even though we want to hide slavery and all of this pain and hurt and sorrow, you can't start the healing process until you recognize that, you know, it was very traumatic for us. Ancestors, yeah. And and try to and try to go to African ancestry and find out who you are. All right. You can right. You, know, you learn more about yourself, where your gifts come from and why you are like you are. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yes. Thank you again to all who are listening. Thank you to Kombucha EXL for sponsoring this show. Thank you, Evan Say Crew, for bringing kombucha my way. Listeners, please check out kombuchaexl.com for a delicious path to healthy. It is far better than a soft drink. Also, thank you to Anchor by Spotify for providing this podcast platform. And it has been an honor to host featured storyteller, Emmy-nominated actress, singer, author extraordinaire, Ms. Paris Thank you, Johnny's. Thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And could you, now this is something I'm going to ask you to do. I, I always ask to let us hear their voice one more time, and I would love for you to just sing one note. <laughs> one note. <laughs> one note. <laughs> just a, so we can hear your voice live okay. singing. We will sing together one day. We will sing together one day as we reach the rising sun. I say, Lord, have mercy on me. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Paris. Thank you so much. I'm Shanice C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love. I'll be right back to tell you what's happening next week. Don't move. We believe that a natural and organic beverage for health-conscious people who want to restore and maintain the body's essential balance is available with our tasty and refreshing Kombucha EXL. Kombucha EXL is a wholesome drink that has been brewing since 2005, boasting 100% natural ingredients that will support your overall health. Kombucha EXL is only 10 calories per serving, far better than a soft drink. It's a delicious path to healthy. Order yours today at kombuchaexl.com. That's K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A-E-X-L.com. You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul with your host, Shanice C.L. Coleman. Please tune in again next week to hear another great story and another great storyteller right here on Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic. And finally, I sign off weekly with a poem or what I call a poetic offering. Every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Yes, every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. That poetic offering 
is from the Negro spiritual titled, Every Time I Feel the Spirit. <laughs> this is Radio Theater for Your Soul, a 2021 summer series. And I am your host, Shani C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love. Thank you so much for listening. It's Radio Theater for Your Soul. It's Radio Theater for Your Soul. With storytellers gather around the mic. Come on, let's go. Live readings, traditional, contemporary, original, scripted plays, film, and poetry. The storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host, Miss Shanice C.L. Coleman, a.k.a. Courageous Love, always just a cut above, yeah.